Hey, 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 y'all. This is Nicolette, and you are listening to Definitely Not For Everyone. Um, as you all know, we are in a pandemic right now. Um, we are also going through some truly, as some would say, unprecedented civil and social unrest. Um, the intention in this and in all the future conversations to come is to talk about how we feel. Um, so maybe others might not feel so alone, maybe just to get some perspective and maybe even to find some hope. I am here with Judith, Beatrice and Kim, very, very good friends of mine, my little mommy group here. Um, so you know how we do, please define yourself two or three things for the audience. And if you're not feeling that, then just tell me something you love doing right now in this pandemic of ours. Who would like to begin? Okay, I'm going to begin. So I am, <laughs> um, I'm a mixed baby. I'm half Asian and I am half black. Um, I'm a mama, as I said, and as y'all all know, I am a wife of a husband who hasn't been that great, but has been amazing recently. I mean, like, no work. And it's like, all of a sudden, he's like master chef up in the fucking kitchen. It's crazy. Um, but so I'm enjoying that. Anybody um, want to pick up? Ooh, Judith, this go is, ahead, girl. Yes. Hi, this is Judith um, to describe myself. Um, a Brooklyn girl with Jamaican heritage. Woo! Brooklyn! <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a sister, a daughter, a wife, a friend, um, strong sometimes to a fault. And what I've been doing recently, which is weird, is that I've been stalking Jamaica Instagram pages. So anything with Jamaica, it's the scenery, what they're doing in the country, I've been stalking it because it's like, that's my only escape. Anything else? Oh, Jason. Uh, <laughs> Kim. You are hilarious. Hi, I am Kimberly. Um, I am a mom to an almost 11 year old. Um, I am a wife, a friend, a neighbor, a daughter. Um, and yeah, and from the Bronx, born and bred, went to Howard University. Um, and um, what I'm doing in this, I don't know, in this crisis is just trying to stay sane, trying not to watch the news um, or, or watch a little bit of it, um, but not sit on it all day. Um, and just try to like do stuff to entertain my family so that we don't end up killing each other in here after almost three months of quarantine. <laughs> I hear that. Um, and our newbie, Miss Beatrice. What you got yes. for me, girl? So I am Beatrice. I'm originally from Ghana. Live here in the city. I am a mom, a friend. I don't even know what else. Um, just, just taking it easy, like um, with everything that's going on. Just trying to maintain some sort of sanity. Yeah. Um, one thing I have, I guess, being home for two months with nothing else to do. All you can do is cook, really. <laughs> cook. So that's what I've been doing, trying to keep busy for the past two months. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, I have a 10-year-old daughter, 10 going on 20, if you ask me. But yeah. Very nice. Um, thank you all yeah. for sharing that. 
So I guess let's start our questions. And the main question that I have really for you ladies, um, and I'm thinking that this question will kind of go into all the other questions that I have, is how are you really feeling? Like, for real, for real. And I guess I should specify more, right? So let's go into maybe the pandemic first. Like, has this pandemic been difficult for y'all? And like, if it has been difficult, like, you know, what have you guys been doing daily to like make it okay for yourselves? Uh. Wow. So uh, can I, I start <laughs> since, so I got the virus. This is Kimberly, got the virus, um, but very, 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 very mild. So mild, I didn't even know I was sick. Um, yeah, I remember you thought it was like allergies. We all thought it was allergies. Right, I was like down for like a day. Um, so that was a little, and that was like at the beginning of April. So that was like a little um, scary, I guess, once I found out, but I found out like three weeks after my symptoms resolved, um, which was again, just the whole thing was just very interesting. So, but since then, I mean, I think to Beatrice's point, it's like all you can really do is like cook, eat, do some research, read, um, and just try to try to entertain yourself. Because again, you, you've got all this free time, but you don't have anywhere to go. So, um, so what the hubs and I have been doing is um, projects throughout the house. So, you know, things that we thought that we wanted to do from a home improvement standpoint, um, you know, from a creative standpoint. So we've been kind of like, doing those things to try to keep ourselves um, occupied and, um, you know, just try to do stuff like together. Nice. What about you, Judith? What have you been doing? So when it first started, I don't think I was too bothered by it. I said, okay, fine. We're going to be in. Everything's going to be fine. But I forgot who I was, meaning that I'm a person who likes to be out in the street. Like I like to be out. And that was hard for me to, after I think a month, month and a half, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the house still and I can't get out. So I started kind of doing my own shelter in place where I kind of took over the kids room and made that my own little quiet space to be away from everyone. So I've been doing that. And also a lot of cooking, um, giving everybody their own space in the house because we're in a decent sized apartment, but it's four of us and two of us are growing. I got a 10 and a 12 year old. So just trying to give everyone space that they want to go off to themselves, don't bother each other because we're not used to being home. Like we're, you know, school, work or whatever. We're always out, we come home, we sleep, we get up, wash, rinse, repeat. So just giving everyone their space. And I find now that we're in June and work has now become a little overwhelming because they still want you to produce. They still want you to be productive. So that, on top of having to juggle the kids has been really hard. And I feel like I'm hitting a, my limit right now where when the day is done, I just have to lay down because I'm, I'm completely exhausted, right? And I have to lay down at least for an hour just to get up and function for the rest of the night. So I'm just trying to find ways to break out of that, go on walks, do more things, get myself more active because I'm trying not to get too down emotionally as to what's going on because I don't know how much longer this is going to go. So that's basically been it. Yeah. What about you, Beatrice? So when um, 
when the pandemic first started, um, I work in retail banking. So we are considered essential workers. So when the city pretty much shut down, I was still supposed to be going to work, which I did for a few weeks. And, but then when my daughter's school was out and everything, I didn't have much of a choice, but to be, to take some time off pretty much. So I took a couple of months off and just to stay home with her. Um, and in the beginning, I just found myself um, having anxiety attacks for no reason. You know, it's, it's just something is, it's like I'm suffocating. I can't breathe and I can't explain. And it could be, it, I was trying to find like what triggered it. And sometimes, yes, I could be like, okay, maybe I'm watching too much TV. And it, sometimes it just happens out of nowhere. And what I really started doing was early in the morning when it's nice and quiet around here, I just go for walks. Mm-hmm. I just go outside, spend about an hour outside, nice cool air by the water, just to just sit there. And even if I don't go for a full walk, there's a park right in front of my building. I just go and sit there by myself mm-hmm. to just think and just, just to be, just breathe, <laughs> breathe in some fresh air. And at some point, I, start, I stopped watching the news. And I feel like um, I'm a single mom with my, uh, my daughter. It's just the two of us in a house together for three months, pretty much. I found that I need to be strong for her. Mm. Of course, I need to be strong for me too, but I need to be strong for her because she's feeding off whatever I'm feeling. Right. So true. So it's like... Yeah, so it's like however I'm feeling, I have to put it in check. And that is that's why like getting up early in the morning, just going for that walk, it helps me that I can be me, I can just freak out on my own. She doesn't have to see that. And then when I come home and it's like, okay, let's move on. Right. For me, so I that think that was that pretty much. Yeah. For me, um, when the pandemic started. I was like, well, kind of like Judith, where I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, this is what it's going to be. We're just going to be home and that's how it's going to be and whatever. But my depression kicked in from before and I started just sleeping a lot, you know, and I would wake up in the morning, but then by like noon, I would need like the longest fucking nap in the world, you know, where I wouldn't wake up until like four o'clock sometimes five o'clock in the afternoon. And that lasted for like quite a long time. And it's only recently that I'm able to like stay up for the whole day, (laughs) which is crazy, (laughs) you know? Um, And then this, uh, this next crazy racist shit happened. Um, And then I went into kind of like a spiral after that. But to make things better for myself over the last couple of months, I would say is to just kind of like put shit in perspective, you know, like I would never have taken this much time to be with the family. Like, can you imagine three months, almost four months being with your family? When have, would you have ever been like, Hey job, I'm taking uh, off from work um, <laughs> to be with my family. Never. Right. Not happening. You know, it's like lots of family time. Right. Right. So is now. Let me tell you though, like that. The second one that I have is four years old. There is every day I wish she was like six. So it would be so difficult because she is on me, 
and she is on David and she is on Zora and she is on my mama. She is just on us. Right. She has so much energy that she needs to expend. Like, thank God for her teachers. I don't know how they did that shit. Teachers are amazing. I don't know how. Yeah. Yes. They deal sure. with that. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but still to this day, though, like by six o'clock, I'm done. Fuck all of y'all. <laughs> that's your fucking pick me right there i don't want them you can have them i don't want to see them i don't want to hear them my door is closed and i'm watching ian Levanzant or hawaii 50 or some shit you know what i mean <laughs> oh no i i totally get it so essential workers they have um child care for essential workers which happens to be like the school right behind my building and I'm supposed to be working the Saturdays, so I get to have tomorrow off. And not for nothing, I'm taking her to that place tomorrow. Because I'm like, I have been stuck with you for That's two classic, months. That's by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I've been stuck with you for two months. And uh-huh. I just need, and, and the thing is like, I just started, I went back to work this week. Right. Which wasn't easy. After not working for two, two months, ah. and then you go back to work. And everything has changed. The way we do everything has changed. And it's a lot more stressful. Uh-huh. So I'm like, you know what? Tomorrow, I am taking you to this place. And I'm going to come home just to be home by myself. Oh, I don't know God. what I'm doing, but I just need a right. little time for myself. And then around 3, 4 o'clock, I'll go pick her up. But yeah. But she's yes. like, oh, so we're going to hang out tomorrow? No, we are not. Yeah. I yeah, right. I live I lived that life for four years and it is not fun, desirable. It's hard. It's hard. It is it's hard. It's just to say the least. It's, it's hard. hard. Yeah. It's hard. It and I think what's how we're managing. Absolutely. And I think what's wild is that we're in a pandemic. All of our kids are more or less around the same age. And everyone's tweening, everyone's developing, if you know what I mean. So managing all of their emotions all over the place on top of being quarantined together. And there's, you know, one thing I have to say is a blessing about this pandemic is that I've had really, really deep conversations with both of my kids because where else are we going to go, right? No one has baseball, no one has chess, no one has work commute or school commute. So that there's actually moments we could sit down and have really, really good talks. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's helpful because now puberty and everything is kicking in and they have a lot of questions and a lot of emotions. So like being able to talk through that has been like one of the things, cause I said, Lord, you know, if it was still the same where we're schooling and working and commuting, I don't think I would have had that downtime to have conversations with them like this. That's true. That's true. Speaking uh-huh. on that, how are y'all doing with this civil social unrest? Like, is that making you guys feel anything about yourself, about this place called the United States that we live in? 
I am just hoping, honestly, that this is like the beginning of the change. The change. Like, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping this is like our generation's Rosa Parks moment where everybody now gets it. Because I, I had a friend, white friend, who um, I put something on, so, posted something on social media about police brutality like a couple of years ago. And she and I have been, you know, in touch since then. But she actually called me to apologize. First of all, she called me to check on me which I thought was really nice. And then she called me to apologize because she was like, I didn't understand. And she's like, I made you feel so bad. I was I like, know. no, you didn't make me feel bad. I was like, I just stopped talking. Cause I was like, I knew you wouldn't understand my perspective or where I was coming from or what I deal with. Like you don't, you wouldn't have gotten it. But I was like, I'm glad now that your eyes are opened and that you see, you know, all the stuff that has been happening in America. And, you know, hopefully you can do something about it, whether it's, donating, whether it's protesting, whether it's even informing yourself. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I feel like I'm just, I'm just very hopeful. I know the change takes a long time, but I just hope that in my lifetime, I can see an America where racism isn't a thing. And again, I mean, you know, one can hope. And maybe that's naive, but I don't know. I'm feeling a little skeptical about it. Um, yeah, I am hopeful in the end, you know, like I hope this is a lasting change, but there's definitely a part of me that is like, okay, Amazon, you are putting up Black Lives Matter on your thing because you have to, right? Because there's pressure from the public for you to do that. Okay, Gap. Okay, you know, all these different companies that I, I know y'all been seeing emails talk about, hey, y'all, we're with you and all that bullshit. And yeah. a part of me is like, that's great. Yeah, but mm, I don't know, because you not you haven't been in the game. You haven't right. been doing this this whole time. You're only doing it now because why? Right. right. It's been more than two days of protests. You know, it's happening all around the world. And I know what you mean, Kim. It's like all of those things should be the thing that you feel like, oh, okay, things are changing. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, how did I? Go ahead. Be, be just if you want to uh, go ahead. I just want to say, like, I don't know. I'm with you on that, Nikki, in the sense that it didn't just start now. It's been going there's been revolts and no, like it's been going and it's a big hoopla and everything, everyone gets involved. And after a while, there are a couple of changes here and there, here and there, it dies down. And I feel like people go back to who they were to begin with. Yes, this time around in our lifetime, anyway, it's so huge. It's been you know, all around the world. People are not good, uh, protesting all around the world than yeah. with us, but how long are they going to keep protesting? Right. And then little by little, things start going back to normal. But, but if, anything, if anything comes out of this, if it wasn't for this, I've had some really, really hard conversation with my daughter that if this had not happened, I wouldn't have had that conversation with her just yet. Because I feel like she lives lives in the bubble thing and everything. No, like, so it's like, um, take away from this, that it, I've had to have, um, have had to have some hard conversation with her. Hopefully yeah. it stays with her and then she learns from it as she goes on too. Yeah. I'm sure she will. Yeah. Judith. Sure she will. Yeah. So when all of this went off, right. And 
I've had conversations with my older boy because I have an older boy. So we've always had conversations on and off, you know, because he's older and he's a boy. So I've talked to him about racism. How does he feel about it? And we've talked. And I've been very frank with the conversations I've had with both kids. Um, my son feels upset and also hopeful that something will change. And he just doesn't understand why, why people have issues with, with skin color. You know, and all of all of the, all of the all of all of what that means, right? My daughter is basically mm-hmm. hopeful, but then also scared because she's like, I don't understand why this is happening and why it keeps happening, right? And me, I'm also hopeful because I'm seeing that it is a little different because people are actually getting called out on their racism, and now they're seeing accountability. Like I've been hunting Twitter, and I've been seeing people just literally getting blown up on Twitter because of being called out for racist acts, right? right? And having to resign or having to whatever. And now there's accountability and some sort of consequences. However, I'm also pissy about it because how many black bodies do you need to give us what we should be getting? What Thank everyone you. should be getting, the equality, the, the, the equity, you know what I mean? How many bodies do you need to say, well, you know what, maybe we should eradicate racism and we should no longer judge people on skin color. and. I'm going to be turning 50 this year, right? I have generations behind me, hopefully generations ahead of me. How much longer do we have to keep talking to our kids about how they have to walk through the world? And I don't find it fair and I don't like it. I've had arguments with friends about it because I resent the fact that I need to talk to my kids about this. And that's being honest because I don't see anybody else having to have conversations like this. So that pisses me off. So I think I'm at a place of just being really angry, but also trying to make my kids feel calm about what's happening and that there's hope because, you know, hopefully their friends understand what going, what's going on and their families are understanding what's going on. And if they don't, then they will just not be family or friends to us. You know, that's how I see it now. Like we're either all in this to get this done. And if you feel still uncomfortable, you better get comfortable or figure it out because that's how I expect my friends to be. If I don't care, because I have a very diverse set of friends, thank God, and we've had very frank discussions and I'm happy for that. So they all know where they're at. And other people who are still hemming and hawing, they need to figure out where they're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking yeah. about friends, thank you, Judith. Um, have y'all been disappointed by your friends due to what's happening right now? I have a couple of friends that I'm disappointed with, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've received some people I didn't I have I didn't even think I'll be hearing from have reached out. The thing is like I'm not sitting here hoping for people to reach out to me or anything like that. But when it started, those people started reaching out, that's when it was like, oh wow, so how come this person that I thought we we're way cooler than that, how come I haven't heard from this person yet? And it's really disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's really disappointing. Uh you know, we hang out, we're always with each other, calling each other, texting each other, and all of a sudden, silence. And then sometimes I find it so funny that you see all the silence and you go on social media feed. Oh, look at, you no, know, you see a picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You see that they posted a picture of something that has nothing to do with nothing. And in my head, I'm like, Wow. Uh, so you're going on about your business like nothing is going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then that makes me wonder, how am I going to be with this person? Like, do I just move on from that? Like, I don't know, because I can't, I won't forget this. Right. Or do you have a conversation with them? I don't, I haven't even tried to, I don't, I don't even know how to broach that subject. Do I pretend that this did not happen and we just go our separate ways? Or what? One day when they reach out, then I'd be like, um, what? Now you're reaching out? I don't know. I truly don't know. Yeah. But that's a hard one. When things happen, that's when sometimes you, yeah, that's when things happen. That's when sometimes, you know, you put this in perspective. So, yeah, a little disappointment here and there, but it's good to know now who has your back if she hit the roof, pretty much. Yeah. But also, you know, I think like this is a time that we can speak up if we need to. So it's like, not that you have to do it, do this Beatrice or anything like mm-hmm. that. But for me personally, like I realized that I have a responsibility, I guess, to be like, yo, just like what you said, like, I thought we were cooler than this. Like, I thought I was going to at least get like a, Hey, are you okay? You know, with what's going on, I'm with you. Like, why didn't I receive that? You was busy. You was at your pool, you know, like, you were, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, you were planning your garden. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on, you know, so I think that it, even though it's an uncomfortable conversation, like this would be the time to have that conversation more than any other time. Absolutely. Um, Cause there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable, right? There's really nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. And unfortunately, we're used to being uncomfortable, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. when other people, maybe other people are just not fit for it. Like they, 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 because. It's called white fragility. Mm. Um, Cause I just, why the movie, you know, I, I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie Hangover 2. This is going to be a weird reference when the guy was complaining about something and the other guy looked at him and said, but did you die? Because that's basically what it is. It's like, you're not going to die from having conversations that are uncomfortable. Your life is not going to be shattered. Your whole existence on this planet is not going to be shattered from having uncomfortable conversations about racism. It may enlighten you. You may be slightly embarrassed about your position, but you may move forward being a little bit more educated. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I think some people are just so they're feeling awkward and now is not the time to feel awkward. It's either you want to do something or you don't. And if you don't, like I said, there may be consequences for that. Definitely. You know? Oh, my God. Have your kids asked you any, like, really hard questions? I know for Zora, like, she was like, but why? And I'm like, how do you explain systemic racism? Like, I try to be like, well, white people created it, you know, way back just for this reason, you know, to keep people down. But it's also the same question of like, but why, you know? And I'm like, it's power. Power? Like, but why? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there was a good, was a good um, kind of like cartoon um, um, analogy on Instagram that I showed my daughter on systemic racism and kind of explained it in a very kid-friendly way. Um, so we were, we were, um, talking about that. And then I had her watch, um, a few minutes of, um, when they see us 
and to try to explain what it actually, what racism looks like, you know, and like what happens. And that was a disaster um, because she is, she she's a, was afraid at the time of getting arrested. And so, you know, then it was like, okay, so now the police are bad, you know? So then I was like, okay, let me, let me back up a little bit and kind of, you know, explain this to you in a way that you understand it, that all police officers are not bad, but there are some that, um, you know, that are. And what, what this whole movement is about is trying to get rid of, or I don't know, change the, the way that police view black and brown bodies. Right. So I think that it's, you know, she, it's not like she, she didn't ask the question, but it was trying to more explain what she was seeing on TV from, um, you know, from the news clips that we were watching. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard conversation. It's hard to explain to a kid because they don't understand, like they don't, they don't necessarily experience or have experienced it. So they don't know. Because it makes no sense. Right. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. And not for nothing, our children live in a bubble. Yes. Yes. Our children live in a bubble where everything is so peachy, peachy, and it's hard trying to tell them, no, it's a whole lot difficult. You haven't experienced anything, but a lot of children have experienced some of, no, they know firsthand what you're you're going through now. Right. Right. uh, um, One movie that we have watched this movie prior to all of this happening, The Hate You Give. That was actually a movie yes. that she wanted to watch. Mm. That yeah. was a good movie. And yep. Yeah. That was a good movie. It's something that she we started. I didn't think she would be a you know successful. But she took it, you no, know, she took it and we had a dialogue about it. And it's funny how things happen. So it, it it had already opened a little door for us to okay, have this conversation. But I feel like no matter how much conversation I have with her, she's still just open, but still in La La Land. Like, yeah, still living that bubble of hers. Maybe this is how she's coping with it. Who knows? Because we all find different ways to cope with, you know, whatever it's happening in our lives and whatnot. But, True. Yeah. Yeah. Z, Z, I think she, like, she had experienced racism. Um, I think it was a year or two ago, two years ago, at her school. Um, and that the amount of rage that I saw when I explained to her what had happened, what that's called at that time was crazy. I thought I was like, shit, what have I done? Should I not have told her that that was like some racist shit that just happened to her? You know what I mean? Um, so that in and of itself had opened the door to having conversations, not necessarily daily, but definitely like, hey, doesn't that look familiar on the uh-huh. screen? Or hey, doesn't that, you know, look like something that you might have experienced? Or but why why are they experiencing that? Do you know why? Yes, mommy, because they black. Yes. Yes, they're a person of color. That's why. You know, but they're still, even with the experience of it, there's still that like, why? Right, right. And it's like, how can you explain the why? It's like, how much time you have? Because I still don't understand why, (laughs) to be honest. Like, I don't, like, I don't, like some, like, and I don't know if it's because 
it could be sometimes I think maybe it's my background, right? Because like I said, my family comes from came from Jamaica and their mindset was different and they experienced racism here. But I think it might have been just the way their brains were formed versus someone who could have been born and bred here and have to go through that and generations of that. I don't know if that's why my mind is a little bit different or or I, I don't know, like, because I know I've spoken to my parents about it. I've spoken to like other relatives about it. And we speak amongst our, ourselves and our kids, you know, just trying to figure out how to explain this to our kids, right? Not, and not to go full hotep, if you know what I mean. Like, because you can really bec- make your kids start to hate other people if you really don't present it to them in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of deliver the message as easy as possible, also letting them know that this is unfair and unjust, but also not putting a seed of hate into them for other people. Yeah. Right? And that's the hard, that's the hard thing too, because I don't want them to grow up hating people for no reason because other people are hating them. Like you try to keep your heart open as possible, but then also put a little bubble wrap around them because it's like, just try to protect them because I don't know, there was only one incident I recall with my son and it was small and I remember how I reacted to it. And I can only say, oh my God, if something was to happen worse than that, I don't know how I would act and it probably won't be well, to be honest. So Judith, I hear you on what you're saying about maybe your background has a way, has something to do with how you feel about everything that's going on right now. Uh The reason I'm saying that is coming from Ghana, where we were the majority. Uh I didn't know that much about racism and everything until I came here. Right. And and, and I say that my experience born and raised here. Because uh-huh. I came in here when I was already, you know, a teenager. And I didn't know anything. Maybe when I first got here, maybe I was just oblivious because I didn't know what was really going on. Uh-huh. But if somebody has, who, somebody who was born and raised here, and especially maybe even depending on where they live, they've had to live with this all the entire life. Right. Yeah, I totally They've had to it. live with that the entire life. Whereas with me, it's, I didn't, so it's like, yeah, you cannot compare, even when you see a black person, you cannot compare that. We have two different experiences. Totally. And it's like, I'll try to, like you should try not to fill our children with hate or anything like that. Uh-huh. And again, like, okay, not, not everyone is bad, not this and that. But unfortunately, this is what is happening. Right. And you have to be aware of it. You can't live in ignorance. You have to be aware of what's happening and learn how to pretty much take care of yourself. Yeah, it's so true. And going back to what you and Beatrice and Judah said, um, it's, I heard this, um, she's an actress and she's a podcaster. Her name is Amanda Seals. She was talking about um, being black in America but coming from like the Caribbean or from Africa and how different and how completely different it is because it's like, you're coming from the Caribbean, you're coming from Africa. Every, everyone around you is black. Everyone around you, you're the police officers, the legislature, everybody is, right? But then you come to the United States as someone who is African-American or as someone who is African-American living in the United States. And basically you are living side by side with your like slave master and shit. 
you know, uh, you know, so it's like, how do you expect things to, I don't know. I just, it, it was profound to me when she said it. I was like, oh my God, yes, that makes so much fucking sense. I wish I could say it better than she did or even as close to how she said it. But um, I don't know if you guys got the idea of what I meant, but you guys said no, it. I get it. I know, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean because like, I was born here, right? But I grew up in a Caribbean neighborhood. That was my bubble, right? Because it was just a whole bunch of Caribbean people who lived together. And I think when I first got my first racist experience was honestly in college, right? And I was like, what is this? Who are they, talk who are they looking at? Who are they talking to? And I was like, are you kidding me? And that was Long Island. That's a whole other podcast onto itself. <laughs> but... It yes, was, it is. It, right. It was, it was my, that, was a, that was a shock to me because I never, never had it before. And I was just like, what is this? And I was like, oh, hell no. What is this? You know? So it, it, it's, it's, it's just wild. Like the circumstances of how, you know, bubbles that you live in and when you get out of that bubble comfort zone and you get exposed to foolishness and you're like, I cannot believe this. You know? And, but imagine having generations having to go through that. You know? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, so I think we are going to wrap it up. Um, is there anything that y'all want to say to the audience? Any thoughts that you might have? Any ideas about how maybe the white folks that are listening, what they can do to make um, living in this world better? Um, anything? Um, I would say to like the, the non-people of color um, that are listening, just, just be sensitive to everything that's going on and, and, you know, understand that, I guess everybody else's point that all black people that you see are not the same. We don't have the same, necessarily have the same backgrounds. We don't have the, you know, the same experiences, but be sensitive to that and, you know, try to help in any way. And again, if it's, if it's donating money, if it's, you know, if it's um, protesting, if it's, again, even just educating yourself. Um, and I think too, like ask questions. I, I mean, I, you know, am not a person who would be opposed to somebody asking me like, you know, what can I do or how are you feeling? Or, you know, what's it like? You know what I mean? And again, yeah. I think that, that, that those conversations like could go a long way versus being closed off and just being like, oh, not my problem or, you know, this Black Lives Matter movement will pass and, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, and I think too, those, those um, white people or non-people of color, I should say, who are in positions of power, especially in corporate America, um, you know, think differently when those, when, you know, black candidates come in to, to interview, um, you know, yes. for, for positions. I think, you know, again, just be sensitive. Anything Beatrice, Judith? Um, oh. <laughs> which one of us? Go ahead, Beatrice. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, to me, it's kind of like, honestly, walk the talk. Like, if you really want to be anti-racist, if you really want the world to be better, it cannot be on the shoulders of just Black people or people of color. It has to be everyone. Everyone have to, has to be active. No one is telling you to go out into the street. Like um, Kimberly said, you can read up and get educated. You can donate, you can push for change in your workplace or, or other venues, talk to your family, but it has to be 
wide sweeping changes because it can't just be us doing the work and it gets like kind of dampened down again because my fear is that honestly, this is going to quiet down and then something else is going to happen and it's a cycle. So we just need to get rid of these cycles. Just everyone has to be active and participate. That's it. B, and I couldn't have said anything, any, anything more than what Judith and um, yeah. Kim has already said. Yeah. Only thing I will add is don't be silent. Hmm. Vote don't be that. Vote. Yep. Vote. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't be silent just because you feel uncomfortable not knowing what to say, what to ask. So you're just gonna be be quiet about it. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, ask the questions and then learn. Yeah. Learn from it pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that, Beatrice. Um, yeah, for me, it's always the same thing. Know thyself, number one. Um, try to figure yourself out, you know what I mean? And when you can figure yourself out, then you can help everybody else. Um, number two, educate yourself. Fucking read, yo. There's books out there all over the place that will give you the history and the knowledge that you need to try to even somewhat understand what Black people and brown people go through. Um, and then the third thing is, I, I, I'm leaning towards this thought is, it's up to white people. It's up to y'all white folks to really do something about this. It's not only, I mean, I think Judith, all of y'all said that. It's not, it's not up to brown folks. It's not up to black folks to make this shit happen. It's up to, it's up to everybody, yes, but white people, yes. Y'all need to do something. Um, all right. And yes. I just want to say that we're talking about read, educate yourself. Right now, there are so many documentaries, so many movies that streaming for free have mercy you know so many documentary is, is streaming for free for the month of june please watch one of those watch it first if you deem your children you can say watch it also watch it with your children and explain to your children as you watch it because at the end of the day these kids they're learning from their parents so you watch it word up you learn from it and then introduce it to your um, your children to do it together and to have a real dialogue conversation about it Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, all right, y'all. So we are going to be headed out. Okay. Ladies, please don't hang up, but I am going to end the conversation. I'm going to stop the recording. Um, to my listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate y'all. Um, please share the episode. Um, hopefully we haven't offended anybody. <laughs> um, I love y'all. Um, and for those who are listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Say bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.